Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 6. And while you're turning, y'all singers, get ready to come back here in just a minute. Uh, I'm preaching a series on forgiveness. Last week I talked about the forgiveness of God. Today I want to preach about forgiving one another. The title of this message is that freedom is forgiving. Next Sunday... If you can be here, don't you let anything stop you. I'm going to talk about forgiving yourself. I think one of the biggest hindrances for people in moving along spiritually, getting closer to God, experiencing all the blessings of the Lord is because they won't forgive themselves. You're too busy listening to the devil. You need to stop listening to the devil, talk about your past, and let Jesus talk about your present and your future. And so next week, I'm excited. I've already written notes. I'm like, I'm just, I want to like preach both of them now. But I can't do that. The second thing I want to tell you is, I'm going to preach like I always preach. If you're a visitor today, we've got some visitors. I am a compassionate pastor, but I have a prophetic side to me. I can't help it. It's the way God geared me. And I may get in some of you, y'all today, I may get in some of y'all's mess. I may step on your toes. I'm just telling you right now, I may make some of you mad. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. If you're going to get mad, then I'm preaching on forgiveness. you got to forgive me. So you've you got to catch 22 coming. But I'm not here to beat up on. I don't like beating up on sheep. The devil does a good enough job of that by himself. I'm here to help you. I'm, it's like when I've had a few surgeries. They have to stick a needle in your arm. That's the first thing to do. They poke you. Put an IV inside of you. I don't like being poked, but they, i got to have that IV so they can get other medicines inside of me. And then they take a scalpel and they cut on me. Well, I'm glad I got the IV because then they put some anesthesia in there and knock me out. So I might poke you and there might be some, the Lord doing some cutting on you, but it's not to hurt you. It's so, listen, let me tell you what God's going to do. This is what I'm seeing in my spirit. You'll let God do what God wants to do. And if you'll humble yourself and, let, and do what the Bible says, y'all just do what God says. You're going to experience a freedom that's going to help you experience this awakening that we are having in our church right now. This is the key to unlock the door. Are y'all with me? These are strong words I'm saying. So this isn't set up. This isn't, you know, you know me. I don't do fluff. It looks like a duck, walks like a duck, talks like a duck. It's a duck. Okay, that's just the way I, so Matthew chapter 6. This is going to sound familiar to most, if not all of you because it is the Lord's Prayer. We're going to start in the middle or towards the end of the Lord's Prayer in this verse. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. Man, I like to see all these Bibles out here, by the way. Y'all the more spiritual people because y'all came on a rainy day, by the way. I'm just kidding. That's a bad joke. Matthew chapter 6, verse I used to say about the early service. Anybody get up early? Wednesday night people the most, we don't have Wednesday night anymore, but they're the most spiritual of all. How about y'all know that? Okay. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. As we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Four, if you forgive men, women, people, their trespasses, guess what? There's a condition here. If is a conditional proposition. If then. 
then God, your heavenly Father, will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, women, people, their trespasses when they do you wrong, guess what? There's a condition. Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You can be seated. Live long enough and somebody's going to hurt your feelings. If nobody's hurt your feelings yet, come see me after church and I'll give a stab at it. Just so you can join the rest of us. How many of y'all know if you live long enough, somebody's going to hurt your feelings. Somebody's going to cut you. Somebody's going to insult you. Someone will offend you. Someone will take advantage of you. It's inevitable. Offenses are going to occur. They are just part of life. I think it's interesting that even the Lord Jesus affirms this in Luke 17.1 when he said, It is impossible that no offenses should come. There it is. It's going to happen. But woe to him through whom they do come. You don't want to be the offender. People can be mean. They will say cruel things to you. People can be malicious. People can be vindictive. They will be conniving. They, you're, you're up for a promotion at work, and they will work behind your back so they get it instead of you. In history, I'm a big history buff, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson were the best of friends. As you know, George Washington was the first president. John Adams became the second president, served his first term, was eligible to serve a second term, and his best friend, Thomas Jefferson, who was an acute politician, went behind his back and connived and did everything he could to bring that man down while being nice to his face and then won the election and became the third president of the United States. Stole it from his best friend. Cool part about that story is they didn't talk to each other for years and years and years once John Adams found out they were apart. And then Sam Adams wrote a letter to each of them pretending it was from the other one saying they wanted to make up. And it worked. And they both died on the same day, July 4th. That's cool, isn't it? See, I'm a treasure trove of meaningless trivia. Now, let me tell you something else that you already know, but if you don't, you need to know this because it will catch you off guard. Church people will hurt you. Church leaders will hurt you. Family members will offend you, take advantage of you. And I think that church hurt and family hurt are the two greatest hurts you will ever experience. And I think the reason why is, whether it's a church leader or church member or family member, I think it's because you have higher expectations of them. You set a higher standard for them. I think it's because you love them and you thought they loved you. And I think it's because you make yourself vulnerable. You let your guard down. There's a man sitting in this room that to this day, he said this probably 20 years ago, and today I still remember what he said. He was in an executive position. He's retired now, and I mean, he had to have tough skin. But he told me one day, he said, when I walk in this building and I get among you all, us, he said, this is my family. I let my guard down. And he said, if somebody stabs me in the back, it's going to hurt. Never forgot those words. So what are you saying, Pastor Chris? I'm saying it's going to happen. But here's what, what you need to know. It is your Christian duty. It is your divinely ordained responsibility to forgive those who mistreat you and take advantage of you and offend you. It's your duty. It's not an option. 
And you say, Pastor Chris, why would I want to forgive somebody who's done me wrong? I'm with you. Because in our flesh, that's not what we want to do, right? When somebody does something to me, I want to hurt them back. I want to get back at them. I've told you already, those of you who knew, I had an incident with my wife at, a, at, at Target not too long ago where she was driving the car. It's very rare, but she was driving the car, and I was sitting there, and she had her signal on. To This person was pulling out of a parking spot, and, and Leah had her signal on to pull in. And as she pulled out, this girl in another car just came right up and zipped in, pulled right in front of us. Leah was there, and I couldn't do what I wanted to do. God was there, and I couldn't do what I wanted to do. It made me so mad. I mean, I got, I did, I told Leah, I said, if I wasn't saved, I told you all this. If that girl, I'd let her get in, and I'd take my key, and I'd go right down the side of her car, and then I'd go, oh, I feel so much better now. Aren't y'all glad God saved me? At least I'm honest about my stuff. Okay, now I know why the Lord saved me when I was five, because I'd probably be dead by now. That's not what you want. You want to pay them back for what they've done. So why can't we do that? Why can't we punch somebody in the nose when they say so? Why can't we connive like they did? Why can't we post something mean about them on the Internet? First of all, because it's wrong. Second of all, because God has called you to a higher standard. We are not to be like what we used to be. We're called to a higher standard. He wants you to be like him. He wants you to be like Jesus. You say, well, God lets people have it. That's right. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay? So it's not your job. It's his job. But what he says is, I don't want you to work. That's my job. What I want you to do is I want you to exhibit grace and mercy like I do. I want the offender, listen to me, I want the offender to experience grace and mercy from you while all the other people who are watching the drama can see it happen. Y'all with me? When an individual offends you, that person's in the wrong. We know that. But I want you to understand forgiveness. So when somebody offends you, does something, they are indebted to you. By the way, if you do something to somebody, you're indebted to them. They owe you. Forgiveness involves releasing the offender from their debt to you. When I say it's okay, I forgive you, that means in the immortal words of Frozen, I've let it go. Let it go. Let it go. I've watched Frozen. Not my kind of thing. But the grand boys wanted to watch Frozen. Some people retaliate instead of letting go. Some people retaliate against the offender by choosing not to forgive them. You ever heard that one? Will you please forgive me? I can never forgive you for this. See it in TV shows and movies. I can never forgive you for this. And it seems so defiant. And it seems so powerful and empowering. You keep them indebted to you. That's what you do. You say, I'm not forgiving them. Okay. I know what you're trying to do. You want them to stay indebted to you. You want them to spend the rest of their life owing you. What you do is you hold them in bondage. It's how you retaliate, see? It, it, I, I need to go get one of the county sheriffs to come in here and put handcuffs on one of you. I'm not going to put on me. I'm going to put them on you. Let you be the illustration. But you just walk around. You can only do so much. You're, you're handcuffed. That's what, that's what happens when you don't forgive. 
not forgive them. I, uh, I'm thinking of faces and names right now. I, I have seen, let me tell you the, the, probably the extreme I've seen on this. I have seen people in marriage, and the man cheated on his wife. He was unfaithful. Now, biblically, she could have divorced him, and that could have been the end of the marriage. For whatever reason, she decided to stay in the marriage, and they continued in the marriage. Probably said to him, because I'm sure he begged the woman, please forgive me. I messed up. Okay, I forgive you. She said the words, but I've seen this more than once, but she never really forgave him. The reason I know is because she held it over his head. And every time he messed up, every time he did something wrong and they had an argument or whatever, she'd bring that back up. And she'd beat him right back down. She used it as a weapon. Now, that's not forgiveness. You keep bringing it up, you haven't forgiven him. Uh, love, what's that 1 Corinthians 13 passage that everybody loves? Love keeps no record of wrong. So then the husband, trying to live for God now, trying to do what's right, tries to raise up and be the spiritual leader, but the wife won't let him because she still hasn't forgiven him. And so he's not restored in her eyes and she beats him down. And then oftentimes that woman then takes, puts, puts the pants on the family. And she, she's sort of in charge. And she doesn't let him be the spiritual leader. And it's just the most unbelievably dysfunctional thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm telling you, I'm thinking of names and faces right now. You don't understand the power, the horrific, terrible power when you don't forgive somebody. When you choose not to forgive, y'all pull your toes up in your shoes, please. You hold a grudge. You got, don't, don't raise your hand. You got any grudges against anybody? Do you? If, if, are you the kind? We say, I don't know. All right, well, if, if, if you're happy and smiling and everything's going good and then there's one particular person that you haven't forgiven and I say their name and your whole demeanor changes, all the joy gets sucked out of you. Yeah, you got a grudge. You hear me? Now, when you hold a grudge, you have taken upon yourself the role of the righteous judge. Last time I checked, there's only one righteous judge, and he's in the Bible. He sits on the throne in heaven. But you become the righteous judge. You play God. Let me tell you, that is a dangerous sin to commit. It is not your role to be the judge, jury, and executioner of the people that do wrong to you. It's not your job. That's God's job. So when you don't forgive, your unforgiveness is a sin. Listen to me. This is the truth you got to get. You're binding them up. You're holding them down. You're using it against them. But when you don't forgive them, guess what? Somebody just, you did. You just put handcuffs on yourself. It binds you. Brothers and sisters, please hear your pastor who loves you. If you don't forgive people and you walk around that unforgiveness, let me tell you something. It will choke the life out of you. It'll kill your spirit. You'll wonder why you don't feel God. You'll wonder why nothing's happening in your life. You'll wonder why that you're not experiencing an awakening. I'm here to tell you today, it is because of the sin of unforgiveness. You have to let it go. It'll consume and destroy you. So let me give you three reasons why you should forgive. Number one, because it's a commandment from the Lord. Do we still believe that the Lord tells us to do something we're supposed to do it? Let me see your hands, please. Y'all still believe that? Some of you still ain't going to raise your hands. Jesus is, I could say Jesus wants you to raise your hand. Am I raising my hand? 
Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.12 and 13, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, put on kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must do. It's a commandment. Second reason is right here. I can just stay with these two verses. God forgave you of your sins. Did he? Then you're supposed to forgive people of their sins. Just as Christ forgave you, you forgive others. Third reason, if you want God to forgive you of your offenses, you must forgive others of their their offenses. That's in the text we read. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Is there an unforgivable sin? I guess it's the sin of unforgiveness. I just made that up. That was pretty good. Somebody write that down and give it to me after church. I need to put that in my notes. Is there an unforgivable sin? I guess it's the sin of unforgiveness. If you don't forgive others, Jesus said, not forgiving you. I'm going to say it this way. It is plain and simply hypocritical. For you to expect God to show you mercy and grace when you mess up and then you fail to show mercy and grace to someone else when they mess up against you. That's right, I got six amens, but thank you for doing that. Hallelujah, this Pentecostal preacher wants to thank all of you for that. That's not the time, is it, to amen. That's the time to go, oh, Jesus, help me. And that's the kind of sermon it is today. God, do it. We start searching our hearts. Man, when I sit under a preacher like this, I start, God, do I have any unforgiveness in me? Because the more he's preaching, Lord, I want to make sure I don't. Now, I'm going to in another direction, then I'll come back to this. So you all must hang on. Sometimes you are the offender. Sometimes you're, you're the one who has done somebody wrong, and it is your responsibility to ask the person you have offended for forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, it takes humility to ask for forgiveness. Humility. For some folks, that right there is a hard pill to swallow. You have to go to that person. You have to admit you were wrong. You have to say, I did it. It's my fault. Without making excuses. Yeah, nobody's going to amen me there, but I'm going to keep preaching. Hold on. You have to admit you're wrong without making an equal accusation against the other person. Well, I was wrong, but. Oh, you just killed it right there. You have just started World War III. You just have to stand there and say, I did it. I'm wrong. It's my fault. I shouldn't have done it. Please forgive me. You, then you have to sincerely say those words. Words. I'm sorry. Please Don't say it flippantly. Don't say it patronizing. If you do, the other person knows it, and that discounts it. I'm preaching right now, whether anybody knows it or not. I'm trying to help y'all. Pastor, would anybody do that? Yes, they do it. Yes, they do it. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's really great spirit of reconciliation. 
I'm sorry. That's like saying, I'm sorry, but you're really sorry. You have to mean it. You, you, you have to say, I, you just have to look at him and just, I'm sorry. I messed up. There's to be sincerity. There's to be humility. But you know, some people are too proud to admit that they are wrong and to say, I'm sorry. That's right. I know people who are willing to destroy relationships instead of saying, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. I know people that are willing to lose their marriage rather than admit, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Pride is sin. And it will serve as a deterrent to forgiveness and reconciliation. The Bible says pride goes before destruction, not reconciliation. Pride goes before Pride destroys things. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Meanwhile, you still want God to bless you. I've got news for you. I'm about to drive all the English teachers crazy. It ain't going to happen. That's right. You come to church and you want God to bless you. But somebody please get this mental picture. If you are so determined to hold on to your pride, let this, this little towel be your pride. If you're so determined, you're going to hold on to your pride. Too proud to say I'm sorry. I'm too proud to admit I was wrong. Then you won't be able to catch the blessing that God's trying to drop in your lap. If your hands are so full of the pride, then you don't have any room to get what God is trying to give you to receive. Matthew 5, 23, 24 is a great verse for this kind of message. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and then there at the altar remember that your brother, your sister, has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. So let me just preach right here. You can come to church and sing songs with the praise team. You can cry and let the pastor lay hands on you. However, if someone has ought against you and you have not gone to them to ask for forgiveness, I hate to tell you this, but your efforts here in church are absolutely in vain. God doesn't want your worship. God doesn't want to hear you sing. God wants you to crucify your flesh and kill your foolish pride. God wants you to humble yourself. He wants you to go to that person and confess your sin to them sincerely. He wants to hear you say to them, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I'm, this is what I know I need to preach today. That's why I said, I don't care what you think. You don't have to put a, I don't read Facebook interviews. I don't care what you post about me today. But I want to help some people. There are some people that you need to get on the phone as soon as you get in the car and leave the, my God, I've just felt a streak of the Holy Ghost get all over me. Some of you need to get in the car and you need to make a phone call before you get out of this parking lot and call some people and say, I am sorry, please forgive me. Some of you need to go directly to somebody's house, knock on the door, walk in and say, I need to talk to you. I did you wrong. Please forgive me. Then you can offer your praise and worship next Sunday at church and God will receive it. Then the pastor can lay hands on you and the anointing can flow through your life. Then you can experience this awakening that God is doing in our church right now. 
You just got to learn how to let it go if you want his flow to come. Let it go if you want the flow. There you go. Somebody write that down. Preachers love that stuff, don't we? Let it go if you want the flow. Some of you right now are saying, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm going to do that. Fine. Go ahead and be that way. Cut off your nose despite your faith. Like having cancer in your body, but just ignoring it. I'll take a cup of Tylenol. It'll be all right. Tylenol doesn't fix cancer. You need a heavier dose of something. And that's why I guess the Lord made me sing, the blood will never lose its power. Because, my God, if that blood washed all the way all your sins and you had a ton of them, it'll wash away the offense of the person who did you wrong. And it'll wash away your hurt. It'll heal your hurt. It soothes my doubts and calms my fears. And that blood dries all my tears. I guess I should have sang that verse, Billy. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never lose its power. Forgiveness is hard. Don't, I, I'm not saying that it's not. The greater the offense, the tougher it is to extend forgiveness. I know that. I know from personal experience. I'm about to finish. I've had people hurt me. I've had people offend me. I've had people mistreat me. I could write a book. I could have some grudges right now. I could, I could feel really negative towards some certain people. And the thing is, most of mine is church stuff because I deal with church people. Do you know that church hurt I was telling you all about? Know all about it? But I heard a guy named Ray H. Hughes preach a long time ago, and he said he made up his mind he wasn't going to let any old goat steal his glory. And I made up my mind I'm not going to let any old goat keep drag me to hell with them because I'm holding a grudge all my life. So I made up my mind I was going to forgive people. So I want to help you today, and then I want to tell you a story. Here's what I do. Here's what I do. I don't know if you can do this, but this is what I do. Every day of my life, I use the Lord's Prayer as my guide when I pray. I do. There is a whole, that whole Lord's Prayer. You can pray for 30, 45 minutes if you just use the Lord's Prayer as a guide. And I just use it. When I get to the point in Matthew 6, 12 that we read today, and forgive us our trespasses, I, I confess my sins. I ask the Lord to forgive me of my sins. Because, yeah, preachers sin. Elders sin. Deacons sin. Your parents will sin. Okay? Every once in a while, I don't get things right. I say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And then I say, Lord, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. And if anybody's done anything against me, I will call their name out loud to the Lord. And I'll say, Lord, now you know what they did to me. But, Father, right now, I'm telling you, I forgive them in Jesus' name. I let them go. Now, here's what I say to the Lord. This may help you. And I say, Lord, I'm turning them over to you. Now, if the Lord would turn them over to me, <laughs> that wouldn't be good, would it? It might not turn out good. It's not my job to handle it. It's not my job to change them. How many of y'all have a strong sense of justice? Y'all know who you are. Raise your hand because only people have it. No, I'm if you have a strong sense of justice, of right and how many strong sense of right and wrong? Like somebody just does, doesn't do something in a red light and you just have an urge, you just want to turn around and chase them down and get them out of the car and tell them about it. 
you have a strong sense of justice. Now, don't do that. Please don't do that. I think if you have a strong sense of justice of right or wrong, it's even harder when it happens. Don't raise your hand. How many of you struggle with extend? Don't raise your hand, please. But you struggle with extending grace to people. You're sort of cut and dry, black and white, right or wrong. And if you don't get it right, but then you messed up, pay the price, go to jail, go to directly jail, do not pass, go, do not collect your $200. Don't raise your hand. If, if you have a hard time, because do you know there are people that, do you know there are church people that do? Oh, yeah. They don't mind getting God's grace, but they just have a tough time. A lot of time it's your personality, it's your makeup, et cetera, of extending grace to people. If that's you, then you'll, you'll, you'll find it hard to forgive because you want them to pay. You, 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 don't, you want judgment, not grace and mercy. So what I do is I say, God, I'm turning them over to you. You handle them. And you know what that does for me? First of all, it, it helps me to release that person. So I do the right thing. I don't have any forget. I let it go. Let it go. I have frozen in my head all day. But the second thing it does, it gives me a sense of justice. That they're just, they're just this thing is just not, it's not hanging out there. So I forgive them and that's it. Somebody's got to do something. Well, when I say God, I turn them over to you. It, it's not like. I'm giving God a command or a mandate. God's already going to handle your stuff anyway. He's going to handle it. It just helps me, reminds me, it's not my job to handle them. God will take care of them. My job is to forgive them. I'll let God deal with them. And when it does, it does something for me, my sense of justice, my sense of right or wrong, the righteous judge will handle them. Is this helping anybody? This ought to help a lot of people. Musicians, where are you? Come out. They probably love when I do that to them. Last Sunday, I'm going to be very, very, I'm going to paint with a very broad brush here, be very general. Last Sunday, God dealt with me to flow in the gifts of the Spirit and flow in the operation of the Spirit, and I knew there was somebody over here that God needed to touch. I knew the gender. I didn't know any more. One person came, and I prayed with that person, but there was another person the Lord zeroed me in on. It was a young college student. I've known this girl practically her whole life. And I said, it's you. She texted me later. She said, I knew it was me. But she said, I'm stubborn. I get it, I get it honest. And she said, it took you, Pastor, calling me out. Thank you for doing that because that's what I needed. She came down and she had a hurt that was of the deepest kind anybody could experience. You don't need to know why. I knew what it was. Let's just say it was family hurt. Of the deepest kind. It was so deep. It devastated the entire family. And immediately when she came down, 
I asked her a question. The Lord told me, ask, I said, have you forgiven this person? And with great honesty, she could have lied to me. She's tears running down her face. She said, no. I said, I understand. I said, but you got to forgive if you want to be free. And I said, the name of the person, and I said, say that name, and I said, say, I forgive you. Four words. She said the name and then said, I forgive you. I said, say it again one more time. She said the name and then said, I forgive you. And at that moment, like a, my God, anybody feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost? Like, like a dam bursting, like somebody setting off dynamite and heart will dam and the whole thing, water rushing out the back. It just burst out of her. All of the unforgiveness, all of the pain, all of the disappointment, all of the hurt. Right over there, God did a healing in that young lady. She said the last year had been bad, but the last six months have been even harder, and I don't know why. She said, but when I prayed, she said the power of God came on me like I've never experienced in my life. She said I shook under the power of God, and she said God did the work in my life. God did a work in my life, set me free. Listen, forgiveness is freedom. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I want everybody in this house to come to the altar. We're going to just, we're going to get on the altar, and we're going to conclude in the altar. I want everybody to come. We're going to have a general altar call. This is not a dismissal. This is, this is an altar call. Please. Just come. Come as close as front as you can. Elders, prayer team members, if you will kindly let folks get through. I need some prayer team members. I'd like for them to come up here and stand with me. I should have called them up first. Just come and turn and face the congregation if you would. Anybody facing you is a prayer team member. Thank God for our prayer team members. Come on. Hallelujah. If you can't make it to the altar, just come and stand in the aisle. Forgiveness is freedom. Forgiveness is freedom. So here are my questions, and then we're going to pray, and God is going to set some people free today. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? I don't know your story. God does. God knows everything right now. Who do you need to forgive? My challenge today is before you walk out those double doors, that you pray and you honestly, sincerely release them from the debt and let it go. They don't owe you anymore. It's un- You know what I like to say? Old timers taught us this. The old timers. How many, how many thank God for the old timers? I thank God the old timers taught us some stuff. They said you put it under the blood. Anybody ever heard that? That's a good saying because once it's under the blood, I can't see it anymore. It's washed when it gets under the, my God, the blood will never lose its power. It can wash it away. I have another question. Who do you need to go to and say, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Who do you need to call? Now that's the tough one. Pastor, have you ever done it? Oh, yeah. And not just Leah. I've done it a million times to Leah. But all the men said, yes. Because we're always wrong and our wives are perfect. 
Amen. Hallelujah. I said, Pastor, quit lying in church. But I've had to do it with people that were not family members. People, I've had to do it. It's hard. It's hard. Or do you know there have been one or two times I've had to say I'm sorry for people, things I didn't even do. That's a whole other sermon. I have. You ever done that? I've had to say I'm sorry. Boy, they were convinced I did something wrong. I knew I didn't. But for the sake of saving the relationship, you were, see, he was, he was, he was in full-time ministry, so he knows what I'm talking about. I've had to look at people and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and I'm thinking I didn't do anything wrong. But I said, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Well, I forgive you, and I'm thinking I didn't do anything wrong. But if it helped them, my God, I'm, the relationships, if the, if the devil can put unforgiveness and drive a wedge in one relationship, it'll cascade like a domino effect. My God, I'm preaching today. I'm just, the Lord is all over me right now. The devil knows he can tear up a church with unforgiveness. He'll tear up a family with unforgiveness. He'll tear up your spiritual life with unforgiveness. And it is better to go to somebody and eat humble pie and say, I am sorry, I was wrong. And if you're here today and you have pride, you, you know competitive people have a hard time of saying I'm sorry? Because you want to win. Boy, me and Leo are like that. I'm going to tell on us. We were both athletic. We played sports. We were competitive. We'd have arguments. And I think one of, us, one of us would think it was over, and the other one had to get the last word in. Well, then you can't let the other one get the last word in, so then that one. Then it'd start all over again. Maybe you're competitive. You know what? You'd win the battle to lose the war. You'd win the battle, but you lose the war. Sometimes you just have to, you have to have humble pie. It's hard. So how many of you have pride? How many of you need to pray today and say, God, forgive me of my sinful pride? Some of you, the greatest thing your wife could ever hear some of you men say for the first time in your marriage is, honey, I'm sorry. Catch her. She may pass out. We're laughing, but it's sadly true. Some of you ladies, you don't get a pass. Some of you ladies, your husband would pass out. Some of you ladies, the greatest thing you could do for your marriage is look at your husband and say, I'm sorry, it was my fault. Please forgive me. Well, you don't have to amen me, but I'm telling you, if you'll listen to this preacher, I, you'll have healing in your marriages. We'll have healing in our families. We'll have healing in our church. We'll have healing in our communities. And we'll have an awakening. You'll have an awakening in your life. I don't know what you're going to sing, but y'all get ready to sing. I'm gonna, I want to pray, and then I want you to start praying. Why don't you just pray with me right now? Come on, God can handle all of us. Go, Father, in the name of Jesus. There's some folks that need to pray. I knew, God, I knew what this was going to be like. I knew this was going to be tough today. I think next Sunday's going to be probably more celebratory because we're going to talk about no condemnation. I, I just, I think next Sunday we're going to have a great time. But, Lord, this is the kind of message, Lord, that, that we've got to preach. Preachers have got to preach this because, God, if we can just forgive people, release people, and let it go, we will know the freedom. We'll have freedom. We'll have joy and peace, and, and there'll be freedom in our prayer life, and, there'll be and we'll have a spiritual awakening, a revival, God. Please, oh, God, help us to forgive. Help us, God, to forgive. And, Lord, and, and, if we, and if we need to be forgiven, help us to humble ourselves and admit that we're wrong and say, I'm sorry, God, whatever it is. 
Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. If we'll just humble ourselves now, God, you'll lift us up. God, do a work in marriages today. Do a work today. Come on, y'all, just pray all over this church. Come on, just pray. Send, forgive people. If you need to forgive somebody, say their name out loud and say, I forgive you. They're not here. They may be dead. You don't have to forgive somebody if they're alive. You don't even have to talk to them. You forgive here. Forgiveness is something that happens in your heart. You don't have to call them up and say, I just want you to know I forgive you. That's not how it works. You have to forgive them in your heart. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.